Hello everybody, my name is Derek. I am the prophet god, evil prophet, or the profitable one on whatever you might be seeing else of me on TikTok or Twitter or YouTube or wherever. I do a lot of movie and wrestling stuff, a lot of life stuff, maybe even a lot of psychological stuff, uh, philosophy stuff. We're going to be talking about quite a bit of things. Today we're going to talk about the whale. And it gets deep, it gets pretty freaking tragic I, I mean you can't really talk about this movie without talking about your own personal trauma in some way and it gets pretty bad it gets pretty uh down and drab so if that's kind of up your alley great if it's not i'd avoid this uh we'll be doing happier movie breakdown and reviews later in 2023 but here for the holiday season this is what we have so just kind of a content warning it gets it gets sad <laughs> gets sad but it's great um so Thank you for being here. If movies and talking deeply about movies is what you like, then please, by all means, join the conversation. I, I don't really know much how Anchor works. I'm 30 years old. I'm a little older now. I have no idea what this new technology can do. If you can comment or anything, you want to join the conversation, join the conversation. I think it's 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 more fun for me to bounce ideas off of people than just kind of talking to nobody, which is what this episode is. So keep that in mind as you listen. And uh I hope you all enjoy. This is about the whale. Again, content is pretty drab and down. Ye be warned. All right, enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a newer podcast. Um, very similar to the other podcasts you might have heard me do, or maybe other content you maybe have heard me do. If you're reading this, or, or sorry, if you're hearing this, I suppose, then you're probably knowing a little bit of who I am. Um, I don't actually really know where to put my phone. I think I'm just going to kind of put it down there. Okay, we're here to talk about The Whale. Uh, it's a film that I've seen uh, last night with a friend, and I don't know, it was one that, I, I mean, I'm in the process of moving and saving money, so I haven't been going to movies very recently, but in 2023, I, I intend heavily on focusing on going to movies and this is one I really wanted to see uh, a lot of buzz about it and yet not a lot of trailer footage came out just general reaction general recommendation general warning uh, this is not a film for a typical moviegoer like don't take your uh, uh, like your kids definitely um, it, it deals with heavy 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 subject matter in many different areas and aspects and it definitely shouldn't be something that you just kind of go on a whim just to see. I probably wouldn't take a date <laughs> to this movie. Um, I don't know if I'd even take like a family member. Like this is one that it it's almost like going to an art exhibit. You need to go with somebody who's going to appreciate the art rather than go to be entertained or go to, uh, you know, see a happy ending or something like that. So this is going to be a tough breakdown. It's going to be my first breakdown of the year. Uh, we're doing it a little bit before 2023, but expect many of these throughout the year. Uh, I am a big, big movie fan. I like going to the movies. I like watching them. I like storytelling. That's really kind of my thing. I'm a big wrestling fan. I love the storytelling in wrestling. I love the characters. I love, I love the acting. I love how actors choose to portray that character and what they choose to do with it. It is one of my favorite things about life. Um, and this one was definitely 
good. I, it was like, um, I'm going to equate it to drinking, right? Or doing like a drug of some sort. It's not healthy for you. It's not good for you. But it's like, it's good. <laughs> it hurts so good. For me, these are the types of films I really like seeing. The, the tragic type things. It's almost like a modern day Macbeth where you're just, you're watching a character hit rock bottom and keep going and you don't want to watch it but you can't not watch it and you you laugh you cry you you feel ashamed like there's just so much with this so with that being said i think i want to get into it and we'll start with the whale breakdown the first official podcast of mine here in 2023 and of my new life here in Oregon. Now we're going to be doing some movie reviews. We're going to be doing some life updates. Who knows what we'll do. So please go ahead and follow, like, listen, um, try to join in, try to comment me. You can follow, you can follow me on TikTok at Profitable1, uh, P-R-O-F-F-I-T-A-B-L-E-1. Uh, you can follow me there. That's where I'll do my shorter movie reviews. This is where I want to dwell in though. Uh, I want to, I want to get into the very deep parts of this film and how they affect you, how they um, move you in ways. This is, this is an unedited, full discussion, right, with me about this, about, about my take on it. Uh, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of opinions on the internet, and I think that mine are, are usually pretty understanding. I like to take people's points of view and go, okay, I understand where you're coming from this. I can relate it to me in this way. Whereas I feel like, especially lately, there's a lot of opinions on the internet that are just kind of, uh, either you like it or you don't. There's very little, very, very little nuance in anything these days on the internet. And it's just very, very disappointing and sad. So this is what you're going to get from me. We're going to start here with this breakdown. Uh, the Whale is a film directed by Darren Aronofsky. I don't think I got that name wrong, but maybe I did, and based off of the stage play of the same name, as I was watching the film, I, I leaned over to the friend I went to go see it with, and I said, I feel like I'm watching a play. Me and him are both uh, theater kids from high school, and we've been friends uh, before that, but, but that's really where we became friends, was on the stage, so we both love movies like this, so I took him to go see it for Christmas. And I, I leaned over and I was like, I feel like I'm watching a play. Like, the way that this is shot and everything, I feel like I'm watching a play. Like, the, the blocking is is almost, like, play-like. Not movie-like, play-like. The shots are very static sometimes. Um, almost like you're watching, like, the Seinfeld sitcom, right? Like, you're seeing the characters move. And very, very few times do you see, like, the camera move. Um, it does do that in the movie. It's a bit of a blend of both, which is kind of jarring. But we'll talk about that later. But it, it was just an interesting experience of it being a play as well. And it's based off of a play, and that makes total sense. And now I want to see the play. It centers on an online English teacher struggling to reconnect with his estranged daughter. Uh, and this online English teacher, Charlie, deals with obesity, deals with uh, being gay, deals with having to leave his family, deals with uh, having enablers in his life deals with shame, deep, deep-rooted shame, deep-rooted grief, um, physical ailments, 
that probably have led to many mental ailments. Um, it's, uh, it's, and and it would be such a horrible, horrible tragedy. But it's so beautiful too because he's actually the most beautiful character in the show. Um, damn man. Uh, so let's just get to it. Let's let's get open to how it opens up. It opens up like a horror movie. You hear this this very deep bass string. And I don't, I'm not a music person, so I don't know if it's a, uh, uh, I don't think it was a violin. What's the bigger one? The cello? Very big cello. Very like, um, almost Joker-like, where it's like, oh, it's eerie. Something, something wicked this way comes, right? Very, very strange. And it opens up and you see a bus and you see the bus stop, middle of nowhere. We don't know where we are. I didn't know where we were. Um, and a person hops off the bus. From the trailer, I assumed, oh, okay, this is going to be his daughter, because this character probably moved to a different state, um, is really loves his daughter, and uh, whatever, and the daughter is finally coming around to see what happened to her dad, right? Okay, so that's what we get. We just sit a very far off shot, way far up of the bus, dropping somebody off, they walk away, boom, the whale, we get hit with the title. Um, very deep cello violins. It was unsettling. It was unsettling right away, right away. And if it was like a commentary where I could talk, I would have leaned over to my friend. I would have been like, is this a scary movie? Is this <laughs> because the way they chose to portray this is, is frightening, is scary. And I don't know that sometimes when it did that, I was like, oh, I don't know. We'll get into it as we go along. Then the scene opens up and we get our first look at Charlie. Charlie is uh, pleasing himself. To a video of uh, two men. I'm, I'm trying to be the least offensive as I could be in any way. Like, I don't want anybody to get upset or, or think of anything. But, um, it, yeah. And, obviously, this man is incredibly overweight. To the point where it, that must be very difficult. And it's, it kind of sucks because you can't really describe it without it being... I don't want to say funny, but not sad, right? Like, it's just, it, it just looks awful and uh, desperate and horrifying, just horrifying. So I, I kind of feel like the cello is, is almost perfect if it's the cello. But it's just, yeah, it, it, unsettling. And that's how you start the movie. You're unsettled. You're like, whoa, hold up. I, I saw the trailer. And the trailer was giving me this hope and this promise of, this is a really good guy, he's very misunderstood, oh, he's going to be a very empathetic character, but you open up on it and he's just a normal dude who's hit absolute rock bottom, absolute rock bottom, and he is struggling and he's just desperate, desperate to get any good dopamine levels in his head, and you you can kind of feel with that and that's kind of my overall thesis of the movie is that it's just the one of the most human movies i've seen um another movie i really liked this year was everything everywhere all at once because it was so human and there was so much of everything in there and the title was true to its name everything everywhere all at once but it was so silly and goofy that i was like oh i just don't think normal audiences are going to get this this movie is very similar to me where i just don't think very many audiences are going to get this because it's just so drab so down and so tragic and i don't know it's true 
it's absolutely true. Both movies are absolutely true in life, but because humans are who humans are, they don't want to see that truth. They want to see the hero. They want to see the hero's journey. They want to see stuff like uh, Marvel superheroes and Black Adam and uh, and Tom Cruise uh, doing his heroic stuff. They want to see good-looking people doing good things, being overcoming the evil and overcoming those obstacles because they want to appeal to that better part of themselves. But the sad reality is that movies like Everything Everywhere All at Once and The Whale, where the humans are horribly tragic characters who are both a huge mix of good and bad qualities, that is the truth. That is the truth of life and humans in this world. And that's what I love about it. So we open up on that scene and immediately you're put into this apartment. And this apartment is messy and, and he's got like lotion right behind him. And he's got food everywhere and, and it's kind of, it's a bit of a mess. It's a bit of a mess and it's, it's just kind of everywhere, gross, everywhere. Um, damn. Just like thinking about it is like wow, it's it, it's tragic, but it's also like one of those things where it's like, what do you do? What can you do? Right? Is it too late? Is this person already too far gone? It's it's hard to it's hard to talk about. It's hard to speak about. Which is why I'm doing the podcast. <laughs> um, so he gets knocked at the door, and a missionary is at the door. And this was very interesting to me. Of course, I, I've lived in Utah most of my life. I'm moving to Oregon. So I'm, I, this character was very, very interesting. I think this character's name was Andy. I might be wrong. But he's just a, a mission. Adam? Adam? It might be Adam. Adam the missionary. I'm just going to call him the missionary. Missionary comes to the door is uh, part of New Life, which is probably like a local, uh, very, very separated sect of Christianity of some sort. Uh, and we learn, okay, so this place wherever Charlie is, is in a little bit of an isolated town, and this missionary is here, and he sees Charlie, and he wants to help Charlie, um, he wants to help Charlie. Charlie is having a heart attack from his <laughs> practices, and his heart is failing, and Charlie throws this notebook at the missionary and says, just read it, just read it, read it, please, read it, it's going to help me, read it. And the missionary just doesn't understand, but he reads it anyway. So once that's all done, the missionary goes, I, why did you want me to read this? Why did you want me to read this? And we hear from Charlie, well, I wanted to be, I wanted to, I, it would have made me happy. It's the last thing I want to hear before I die is that. And immediately, and, and, Spoilers for the movie, I imagine you're here listening to this because you've also seen the movie, you want to hear somebody's reaction to it. Immediately, I leaned over to my friend. Again, I don't lean over often, but this movie, I, I leaned over a, a bit. Um, I said, that's got to be his daughters, right? Because we'd both seen the trailer. I was like, that's got to be his daughters. Because the only thing I could imagine, and this is something I very, very, very much relate to, is the last thing I want to hear is something I care about a lot. And if that's his daughter who wrote that, that's what he would want to hear, I would imagine. Throughout the movie, they kind of throw, well, maybe it's not his daughter's, maybe it's his, maybe it's not his daughter's, maybe it's his uh, lover's. And it, it does throw you. But at the beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, that's got to be his daughter's. It's got to be, because this guy loves his daughter so much from that trailer. 
he, he's desperate, he wants anything. So it's like, okay. Alright, so we have a character who is clearly going downhill fast. And knows that he's going downhill fast. Knows that it's only a matter of time. He thought that that time was now. And he's... And he just wants to hear his daughter's poem. That's what I got. Okay, okay, damn. God damn, this movie is so down. And I just don't know how it gets better. Because a typical movie would go, okay, well, he ends up getting better. And he ends up recovering and seeing... And his daughter hug. He and his daughter hug. And it's it's kind of happily ever after. But you don't get that feeling from this movie. Right from the get. You go, oh my god, this is going to be a really rough, rough movie. At this point, I see two people walk out of the theater. Now, I'm in Utah. Um, you know, same-sex, anything in Utah is very much frowned upon. It's not outwardly hated much anymore. It is still outwardly hated, but not nearly as much as it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, and it's definitely looked down upon by many people, uh, especially if you're in the Mormon faith. If you were to come out as gay or any anything other than straight, uh, you would be you would be looked at differently, absolutely. You would be treated differently by a good majority of people. There's good people here too, but they are much, much, much out-populated by the very judgmental people. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a little rough. So the two people walked out of the theater, and I didn't see them ever come back. Uh, so, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Some people just can't handle it. It is what it is. We learn that Charlie's sexuality is gay. Uh, we learn that the missionary is there. He wants to now help in any way. So we go, okay, this is missionary kid. He's just doing his thing. He wants to help. I know that he's not a Mormon missionary because I know that they are always in pairs. They are never, ever alone. Um, and that's part of their thing. This is, this is all secondhand knowledge. I'm not Mormon. Uh, this is secondhand knowledge from my friend who I actually went to go see the movie with. He went on a mission. They do not separate, ever. Um, they're supposed to always be with their partner, their companion, because it's like a buddy system, right? You can't break your tenets and your oaths if I'm here watching you, and I can't break my tenets or my oaths if you're here watching me. So they become companions in that way. Um, which, I mean, that's a whole different conversation, and maybe we can have it one day, but... <sighs> Religion and me just don't get along all that well. Uh, and, and that's another thing I'll bring up with another character later on. But man, it's it's just interesting. Right away, not Mormon. Must be some other sect of uh, the Christianity religion. Then we get a new character. We get Liz. And uh, I'm no stranger to Liz's in my life. And this character, to me, was the villain of the character, and I'll tell you why a lot of people are saying, well, they don't blame her, and this is, to me, what is a, a, a massive human flaw in humanity, and this is what spoke to me the most about the movie, is that nobody really cares about Charlie's wishes. Everybody's incredibly selfish in this movie. Maybe in the right way, but I don't know. I, I do believe in, in self-autonomy. Like, I, I believe, for instance, I'll give you an example. For instance, for me, if I was to die, I've only ever grown up to hate funerals, and the reason I hate them is because they're so down and sad, and I just don't think that they should be that way. I see a documentary like um, An Idiot Abroad, 
with Carl Pilkington where he goes and he sees the funeral of somebody in South Africa or I go and watch Wakanda Forever and I see the funeral of Black Panther uh, and they're celebrated. There's sadness, sure, but there's also celebration and happiness and a ceremony and I like that and that's what I want. I know that I would like a happy send-off but I know that my family would never allow it. It's disrespectful. In their eyes, it would be disrespectful. In their eyes, it would be against traditions, and they're very traditional. Um, they would have the same old boring funeral, and that would just not be my wishes, right? Um, and that's what this movie does to Charlie a lot. And the character of Liz does it the most. And it's, to me, Liz is the worst character not the worst in terms of acting or i didn't like her the worst in terms of she's the most harmful to charlie at this point in his life she is an enabler who is keeping him alive just barely and we'll find out more reasons as to why she's doing this but from the get-go i didn't like this character she bugged me the rest of the way too simply because you you get in situations where you don't want to be alone. And because you don't want to be alone, you allow people to take advantage of you. You allow people to take from you more than they give. Uh, and and that it, and Liz is exactly like that. The, the entire movie, incredibly selfish. But it's not, I mean, it's not out of the realm of humanity. She's doing it because she loves Charlie. She's doing it out of a good thing. She just can't get past it and it's and it's tragic because Liz is sitting there giving him chicken feeding him chicken and he's just killing himself slowly and she's keeping him alive slowly she she brings in little things throughout the movie to help him uh move around a little bit better stay around just a little bit longer because she wants just that one more day that one more hour with Charlie and we find out a little bit why later on Liz is very much against this missionary kid. Missionary kid's still there. I didn't know why. I, <laughs> I would have dipped. I would have been like, sir, here you go. I saved your life. I read you this poem. I'm out. But Liz, the nurse, comes in and does not like the missionary. Does not like the New Life Church. Does not like this kid. Wants him gone. Very, very, very hateful, this lady, to this church. And it was a weird, like, kind of undertone of science versus religion. But we'll find out more later in the story. So Liz enables Charlie and lets him just kind of eat his life away. They turn on the TV and this is where we get more of the setting, right? This is, this is how the play kind of comes in. Because a movie would have said, hey, we're in Idaho. Uh, they would have done, like, some dialogue to give you some more clues. But a stage play is just going to give you dialogue. And you just kind of have to piece together where they're at. Oh, yeah, well, up at the, the Teton Mountains or whatever. And you go, oh, the Tetons are close to this, so he must be in this general area. That's what this movie does. This movie is kind of one where you pick up where you're at and what's going on through little pieces that are happening outside the main story. Um, and they're talking and they're watching TV. And I know this takes place in 2016 because they're talking about 2016 primaries of the Republican Party. It's in Idaho because they're talking about Idaho um, voting and how it went to, uh, like, Cruz and stuff and how it went Bernie's way. So there's a lot going on. 
there's a lot going on, a lot of, like, world building here already in this very first 10 minutes. And this opening 10 minutes, I was nervous. I was like, oh my, um, there's so many movies out there that are getting good praise. Avatar The Way of Water, I don't, again, I, I don't have very much money, I'm trying to save some money, but Avatar The Way of Water uh, is getting good praise. The menu got great praise. Um, I would have seen Wakanda Forever again because it was just so good. But I wanted to see this because it felt like it was important. And the trailer kind of drug me in. And I'm a huge fan of Brendan Fraser. And I wanted to see that too. So I was like, okay, I'm going to see this movie. But 10 minutes in, I was like, oh my god, there's like an hour, 40 minutes, an hour, 50 minutes left of this. And I actually don't know how long the movie is. But there's a long time left in this movie. And already I'm going, uh-oh. Oh no, I, I don't think this is going to be as good a movie as it was looking out to be. It looks like it's just going to be sad, sad, tragic, sad, nothing. And in my opinion, I was wrong by the end of the movie, but I'm, and I'm glad I was wrong. But man, it, it got pretty bad. So we get to the middle here and we're introduced to Ellie, who is his daughter. Um, and Ellie is a bit of a... a I don't want to say bad. She's not bad. I, me and Charlie get along very similarly where we, we have this hope for people. Um, with Charlie, he's a mentor. He's a teacher. His whole life is centered around English literature, teaching kids to do better, to be better. And throughout this play, he realizes that's important, yes, but it's also important not to lose who you are and to be honest about who you are and who you are to yourself. And in this play, in this movie, that's what he does. And it's so great. It's so good. Um, I was a mentor after school and uh, I had to leave that industry because of what had happened to one of the kids. And it just, it stays with you. And, and you don't think that the kid, you don't think the kid is ever gonna truly understand that there's a point in this movie where Charlie and me connected so much it's at the very peak of the movie and I and then I got it I understood I was like okay <laughs> it's a good play it's a good movie and I love it is it exploitative sure uh does it does it maybe show this character in a light that was meant to be tragic but turns out to be funny sure yeah it could have done that but isn't that life isn't that how it is right his daughter ellie is a, a seemingly horrible horrible person but sadie sink is amazing in the way that she acts i mentioned this to my friends when we were watching stranger things earlier this year that sadie sink stole the whole show for me she got it she understood 
She wasn't doing Stranger Things season four, I'm a kid. She was doing acting. She was doing deep, deep acting. And seeing her here in The Whale is almost like a more free version of the character of Max from Stranger Things. But Ellie here is just awful. But as a former educator, former mentor, who's dealt with, and I'm doing this in bunny quotes, you can't see this, awful kids, it's not true. They're not awful kids. The reason they're doing this is some other reason. I've never, ever, 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 ever met a kid that was just truly awful for no reason. And I've never really felt that way that, oh, they're a bad kid, I, I'm, I'm going to write them off. Never. Not one. There's been a few who've gotten under my nerves and they didn't want to accept my help. Okay, whatever. Good luck. Be on your own. But there was always a path back for me, always. But this character of Charlie, we learn that they've abandoned their kid to be with their former student. Again, he's a college teacher, so it's not weird. It's, it's whatever. Um, and we'll learn more about the student later on too, but he's abandoned his child and the child has taken that so internally. And I come from a single parent household. Uh, my dad did something very, very similar and I just haven't talked to him since really just hasn't happened. I get updates from him and it's, it doesn't phase me. It doesn't phase me one to one. But after watching this movie, it kind of made me realize, okay, maybe it has affected who I am a great deal because I relate a lot to Ellie. I feel like there's this part of me that is so angry all the time. And is that because of the abandonment? Is it because of being jealous of other people? Is it because I start way behind the starting line of other people just because I didn't have a dad growing up? Like, what is it? And I'm still not sure. And I don't know if I'll ever get the answer. And it's so frustrating. It's so angry. So I can understand Ellie. From Charlie's perspective, I can understand Ellie. I can understand a kid hating you and you just go, okay, you're going to thank me one day. It's, it's, it's fine. You can hate me. That's fine. I just want to know about you. I've lived both experiences. It's wild. Um, we get more about Charlie through his job. This goes through a week. We learn that Liz, the nurse, is saying that he has uh, heart failure and that it is so bad to the point that he might not live for the next five, six days, whatever, week, whatever. So we, so he's just going about his day doing his normal stuff. He doesn't much care. We see him look at like a granola bar and then look at a, a bunch of candy bars and he gets upset, gets triggered about something. He goes for the candy bars, then he gets sad and ashamed, puts the candy bar down. 
This is the internal struggle of a man who is just completely broken. Absolutely broken. There... And another big line in the movie, and so good, is, I think it's in the trailer. Brandon Fraser goes, he's, he's talking to a character, and he goes, don't you ever just think that people are incapable of not caring? And it's kind of a double negative. So what he's really saying there is, don't you think it's humans, they have to care? Humans just care? It's like a default reaction. Like, no human is so far beyond the pale that they are, like, Machiavellian to the point that they are not caring. There's a way to get them to care. And that's one of the things that the movie's kind of all about. Even though some of these characters are just maybe not the greatest people, they still care in their own way, right? So in this, Charlie is teaching his class throughout the week. And he starts with saying, he's just a normal teacher, because, you know, the camera's broken. Sorry, I'm not going to, I don't have my camera on. Uh, you guys did this, you did this. Go ahead and revise, because the more you revise, the better your essay is going to be. And that's how he starts his perspective. Throughout the week, as his health worsens, as he has more experiences with the characters I've been talking about, he changes. And he goes, I don't, I don't want you to give me a good essay. I want you to give me an honest essay. And he gets very vulgar. And I think he gets fired because of it. But this is very similar to something that I've done in my career. Where I took the moral high ground. And because of that moral high ground, it no longer became attainable for me to work alongside people who were not taking a moral high ground. I know it's very vague, but it's very similar to Charlie's situation. His main goal is to prove that his daughter, who is only exhibiting evil and bad, is good and can be good and will be good. She will grow up and be fine. That's all he wants. It's all he's looking to prove. Uh, and that spreads because he really has nothing left to lose. He doesn't much need his job because he knows he knows what is happening to his body physically. And he just, in the very last bit of his job, he just wants to know. He wants honesty. We'll get to that later. <laughs> I hope I don't lose it. Because, man, I was losing it in the theater. Alright. Also, we get um, a couple of side characters that are interesting as well. Again, this movie is very long, very complicated. Um, he gets pizza every single night. The movie takes place over a few, four or five days, something like that. He gets pizza every single night, and every single night it's Dan the Pizza Man. And Dan is a weird character, and this is another part of the movie that made me think it was a stage play because the blocking is you see the shadow before you hear the knock, and it's... And it's scary. But everything dealing with food in this movie is frightening. Dark cello, dark strings, scary. 
like like Joker when he's in the bathroom and he just gives into his craziness. That, but with food. So here comes Dan the Pizza Man, who comes here so often, is never allowed in the house. He just puts them, he gets the money out of the mailbox, puts the pizzas on the bench outside the door. We never leave the apartment. Um, so we don't, we don't, we don't know it's an apartment. I, I, like it could have been a house, could have been anything, but he lives on the second floor of an apartment building. So the pizza man just del delivers him pizza every single night. And he goes, hey, is everything good? Everything all right? Charlie says, yeah, everything's good. Everything's all right. And as that goes throughout the play, Dan just goes, hey, I'm Dan. I mean, I come here a lot, so I just kind of thought you want to know my name. Very last time we see Dan drops off pizza. Charlie goes out to get the pizza. Charlie is who he is, and Dan wants to see him. So he stands on the stairs, and you just see Dan just staring at him. And uh, the significance of this to me was Dan kind of represents the outside perspective. Maybe his students do a little bit as well. That they only get to see this small, pardon the pun, slice of life of this guy. And what they see is someone so overweight that it's hard to even imagine. It's hard to even see you can't even imagine it and you don't know if he's like and you and you just they don't give you any other details dan the pizza man just just does goes away we don't see him or hear him ever again so i think he's just there to be like oh that's that's what most of the outside world all these other characters kind of know charlie in some way this is somebody who doesn't know charlie Students never get to see Charlie until the end of the movie. And when they do, there's a mixture of reactions. Um, and I'm curious if, and I'm so curious about how the movie was shot. Like, I want to see kind of some behind the scenes. I would love to know if Brendan Fraser actually didn't have a camera, right? And that was like a real, like, Zoom call with these kid actors. And they were told to just pretend that you're in a class. Do what you would do. Just kind of be you. And then maybe a few of them got told what to do when he did put on his camera. But he, tur he turned on his camera at the end. He said, I want you guys to be honest with me, so I'm going to be honest with you. And it was just such a great scene. Damn, such a good scene. But we're missing a few things in the middle, so let's, let's go through this. We learned from Liz that uh, the missionary keeps coming back. The missionary and Ellie have this thing, Ellie keeps taking pictures of him, asking him questions, says, hey, come back tomorrow, whatever. So you're like, oh, okay, is that going to be a romance? Typical movie, that would be a romance. I'd be like, oh, you're helping my dad? You shouldn't help my dad. And he's like a missionary kid, so he's a good kid, and he's going to help her and save her from the depths of evil, right? And they're going to get together and have kids, whatever. Like, that would be the typical movie for those two characters, but not in this movie. In this movie, we learn that Ellie is taking pictures of this missionary. And uh, Liz doesn't like the missionary because Liz's brother was a part of that church, went on a mission, didn't want to come home because when he would come home, Liz's dad would force her brother, uh, we know now as Alan, to marry somebody he didn't want to marry because Alan was gay. And Alan was the boyfriend of Charlie. They met each other in college and 
That's how Liz knows Charlie. So it's like, holy shit. Now you're in the middle of a daytime soap opera. And now you kind of understand, if you're a certain age, you kind of understand, okay, now I understand why my grandma loved these things. Because it was just never-ending drama. Never-ending. And it, it gets it gets wilder. So the missionary comes back the next day, gets his ass chewed by Liz, who, again, I did not like, because Liz is sitting there going, nobody likes him, I'm the only person who can take care of him, I'm the only one who loves him. Very selfish, very controlling. It was hard. I don't know. The character of Liz was hard for me. And Charlie, throughout this entire thing, could be mad at his daughter for being horrible, could be mad at the missionary for lying to him, could be mad at um, uh, Alan for going away, could be mad at his wife for keeping his daughter away from him, could be mad at all of these things. But he chooses not to be. He loses it a couple of times, but his, his main goal, as I said, is having his daughter knowing that his daughter is okay and that she's going to be fine. That's all he wants because there's nothing else for him. God, it's so tragic. It's so beautiful. Um, so the missionary and Ellie, and I'm sorry that this is all over the place, but this is kind of like how messy this movie is. And it's so human. It's so human. I feel like I'm not talking to you about a movie. I feel like I'm talking to you about my family drama. That's <laughs> that's how that's how wild it is. That's what makes it a good movie to me, because it's so it's like almost almost endlessly. I can talk about it endlessly, almost. Um, so Ellie's taking pictures of this missionary kid. She drugs Charlie the next day when the missionary comes around to have him go to sleep. So Charlie's asleep. And it's just Ellie and the missionary. We learn that the missionary isn't who he says he is. He's not from New Life Church at all. He just moved here. And he's pretending to just start a new life because he wants to help people. She says, you're a liar. I know you're a liar. I know you're lying. Uh, here, smoke this or whatever. So he smokes the, the marijuana. And uh, he says, well, I've done this. And then he breaks down. He says, no, it's because my family hates me. And I'm, I'm moving away. And, and, it's, and it's so weird. It's so I don't know. Like, even this character, he just wanted to be good. But he went about it in such a, a very selfish, selfish way. And the character of Ellie knows this. And the character of Ellie hears his story. And is taking pictures of him. Doing something on her phone. And then just kicking him out. We don't, don't know until the very end what's going on with that. So we get kind of to the crux of the movie. All the characters kind of come together. And I could be missing some stuff, but it's the whole while uh, Charlie's just doing his job, talking to Dan the Pizza Man, uh, talking to Liz, and a lot of it's a lot of character stuff. And you learn so much about these characters. You learn that Alan, his lover, Liz's brother, um, is now dead and has committed suicide because of the stresses of being under the thumb of his family and his dad and being hated and disliked for being gay and all that other stuff. You learn that uh, Charlie's wife, ex-wife, um, as horrible as she is, 
still comes at it from a piece of caring where she loved Charlie and she's hurt. And the reason that she might not be the best mother and the reason that Ellie might not be the best daughter is because Charlie fell in love and he had no choice. And it's like, if you've never felt that, it's, it's so powerful. You do stupid shit because of stupid shit like love, you know, uh, in the past year, I've lost my job. I don't talk to my best friend nearly as much as I used to. Um, and I don't think it's neither of our faults. It just is what it is. It just happens. It just happens. It's like you you don't mean to hurt these people. But I don't know. When you, when you love people... You, you only end up getting hurt, but that's the good thing about it. It's some, it's some weird, like double-edged sword <laughs> and it's so powerful. Just makes you think, makes you think. We get to the crux, all the characters are together. Ellie comes in, Ellie's mom comes in, Liz comes in, the missionary comes in, everyone is kind of there. Sorry, I don't think the missionary was actually there. But there's this huge blow-up. And uh, it leads with Liz leaving. It leads with uh, Ellie being told to leave and go outside. And we get this conversation between Charlie and his ex-wife. And Charlie is just totally funny. He's like, I, I know. I, it got out of hand. I'm sorry. I left you. I'm sorry. I loved him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just so goddamn tragic. And she still loved him and damn that got to me that got to me because through her perspective she had no choice she had to hate charlie charlie left her left her daughter she had no choice in that that's how she had to handle it it's it's shitty but it's necessary and that's what makes this movie so human because I don't really believe that people do things often out of, like, hate. It's more out of love, right? I do, pe I do believe people are selfish. I do believe that there's people out there who are only ever invested in themselves. But I didn't get that from any of these characters. Liz the most. But I think Liz was just dealing with grief. I gotta mention that Charlie's lover and Liz's brother, his name was Alan Grant, and that made me laugh, because I was like, oh my god. We have a character named Ellie, like Ellie Sattler, we have a character, Alan Grant. <laughs> Jurassic Park. Um, damn, like, like, this is what this movie does. This is what this movie does. It kind of just, it's an endless conversation. Endless there's so much that you could pull from it and relate to being overweight being gay uh being an absentee father being a shitty kid being a shitty mother being a shitty father being a good teacher being a bad teacher losing your shit religion i mean i've kind of gone all over the place with this breakdown 
we've broken down completely, haven't we? Let's try to wrap it up with a nice little bow. What I got from this movie is a lot of internal thoughts. This past year has not been great for me. As I said, lost my job. Not great. Lost my income. So now I'm poor as shit. Also not great. Um, now because my friend still works for the place that I don't, we just don't talk very much anymore. Again, I don't think it's either of our faults. I think it just is a byproduct of what it is. That sucks. Uh, it's affected relationships with my family, uh, friends. My students. Uh, not being able to see people anymore. People who you were really close with sucks. And I love it. <laughs> I love it, man. I never, I never feel more alive than on a day where I can like laugh and cry at the same thing. So good. To me, it's the importance of, uh, I, I've written down here, it's the importance of mentorship, but to me, it's the importance of, uh, human relationship, whether it's romantic or otherwise. It's, it's what you remember. So this movie ends. <laughs> this movie ends in, in one of the most beautiful ways. Um, Turns out I was right from the beginning that the the little notebook that he has and he wants it read to him as he's dying is his daughter's eighth grade essay. And his daughter's a genius. And it's so great. And he's just sitting there and he you can tell that he is dying. He sends Liz away. Liz says, I, I'm going to wait downstairs. She knows. And he only wants Ellie. So Ellie is there. Um, and he says, read this, please. She says, I hate you. I want you to live. I want you to live. Please let me just live. And the character of Charlie finally gets up, starts walking as she's reading this poem. Sorry, this essay to him. Um, just starts walking towards her, which earlier in the movie he couldn't do, but now he has the strength to do. Or is this all in his head? It leaves it up to interpretation, right? Of this is... The strength he, this is the closure he finally needed to move on. Was knowing that his daughter knew that he cared about her. He knew that his daughter was a good person deep down in her core. And she did something good for somebody. Because it ends up that she uh, helped the missionary kid. She reached out to his family to reconnect them. And it, it ended up being a good thing for the missionary. He ends up going back home, back to his family. So she did that. Again, the typical story of that would be, oh, he stays and settles with her. They have a family, whatever. They name their first kid Charlie. You know what I mean? Like, that's a typical movie thing. But this movie is like, no. Ellie knew that the kid was doing something destructive and stupid and wrong because she saw her father do something destructive and stupid and wrong. 
So she wanted to help him. So she helps him. But on the outside, she's so broken and so hurt that she throws out all of these attacks at people to keep them away. It's a defense mechanism, a mechanism I've hit quite a bit. I do it a lot. I say if uh, if BPD, bipolar, sorry, not bipolar, uh, borderline personality disorder were a movie, this would be it. Because that's what it felt like. Um, so she's reading her essay to her father, who is now walking towards her, finally, and it, you can tell he's dying. And she reads the whole thing, and uh, you just see him lifted up off the ground, and he goes into this daydream-like state. And he's talking about being on the beach. And that was the last time that he went swimming. Was on the beach eight years ago before he left his wife and his daughter. And that's where he went. And it's like this imagery of he's at peace. Finally. He knows his daughter's going to be okay. And it's tragic. Because he's dead. He's now gone. Liz now has nobody. Uh, Ellie now no longer has a father. The students no longer have a teacher. Like all the stories end up <laughs> really sad, except for the missionary who's returning home. And it's so tragic. And it's beautiful. It's like modern day. To me, it's like modern day Shakespeare, where it's you're just you you just can't help but to like tear up makes you want to hug <laughs> you know you just need a hug it's beautiful it's beautiful uh this is this is a breakdown right i'm not very streamlined never have been i think charlie would have been proud you know give you something honest i gave you something honest um, Charlie, the character to me is, is, is one that's going to stick with me for a while. Cause throughout the whole thing, he, attacks were thrown at him. He was yelled at, he was abused mentally and he just took it all, took it all in stride. And he just, he kept that hope up that somewhere his daughter cared and was a good person. And that's all he wanted to know. Everything else was gone. Love of his life is gone. Marriage is gone. His job is gone. Everything, his health is gone. His mental health is probably gone too. The only thing he wanted was to know that his daughter was going to be okay. And once he got that, that was it. And he kept going through it. Through all the attacks, he said, no, you can attack me all you want. That's fine sorry all i want is this it's so good so beautiful um damn it got personal <laughs> that's a hell of a first episode huh oh man well ladies and gentlemen uh thank you for listening to this kind of a breakdown but also kind of a, 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 a almost a brainstorm i guess of thoughts that this movie and emotions that this movie takes you through. We're going to be doing more movies. I guarantee they're not going to be nearly as 
deep or hard hitting as this. This is my first podcast back on Anchor. I, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't even know if people are going to listen to this thing. But uh, follow me on Twitter at Prophet God. You can follow me on uh, TikTok. That's likely where you're going to see more of my movie stuff at Profitable One. P R O F F I T A B L E 1. Uh, yes, I know it's misspelled. I did that on purpose. And uh, yeah, more movies. <laughs> More movies to come, and I promise they're not going to be nearly as drab as this, but man, man, oh man, is this an important movie. I think that you should go see. Um, I, I, it leaves you speechless. It, it's hard to talk about. But I'm glad that I did. Weird therapy session, huh? Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for hanging out, and uh, stay tuned. You know, follow this thing, and And we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how we can go. All right. Uh, thanks. Bye. Cheers. Ciao.